This is a podcast about the hardcore community. Made by and for those who live authentic lives and embrace hard truths. We archive the stories of the bands and people who make this lifestyle possible. I'm Josh Lyon. And I'm Greg Benoit. And this is the Hardcore Archive Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the Hardcore Archive Podcast. I'm Josh Lyons. I got Greg with me as always. Uh, we're having a, a Brandon from Pure Bliss on the podcast again for the second time. Uh, this is going to actually be pretty much within a year to the day of his first appearance, too, I realized, uh, while setting this up. So uh, we'll pretty much just be catching up on everything he's been up to in the last year and any questions that Greg has, because uh, Greg wasn't here for the first time. So with all that being said, how's everything going for you tonight, Brandon? I am great. It is 9.30 at night on a Sunday, and I feel fucking awesome. Technically, yeah, it's only like it's only like eight thirty because it's daylight savings time day. So hold your horses oh, yeah, there until right. we get to ten thirty, man. Yeah, Is I was going to say. Uh, I thought it happened last night. Is it happening tonight? Well, it was no, last it night, but tonight's yeah. the first night that you got to like go to bed without that extra hour. It's going to be brutal tomorrow, man. Oh yeah, that's true. I I have so much caffeine in my day to day life. Like literally right now, nine thirty at night, man. Nice. Uh, I, I just sleep is it comes and goes so i'm not super worried about it look man you don't have to hide your shame with me i drink i have a a, a special 100 ounce big gulp refillable cup and i drink two two of those every day of diet mountain dew so don't 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 no judging man jesus christ you're doing the do man holy shit <laughs> well the do actually does me at this point <laughs> I haven't had a Dr. Pepper in a long time, too. I've been cutting back on the soda. I was just telling my sister that at Hendrix's birthday party on Friday. It's fine if it's diet. That's okay. Although my wife was just downstairs telling me I should drink less diet Mountain Dew because I was like hassling her because I wanted to like eat more vegetables and buy life insurance like an adult. That's, that's the compromise. You got to lay off the Dew. <laughs> well, then I was like, all right, I'll shut up about things. I want you to change. I'm not changing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a sucker for uh Diet ginger ale. I'll put down like a 12 pack in like three days, man. If, yeah, if Canada that. Dry Man. Is it? Guys, the audio listeners won't know, but uh, all day, all day long, the Diet Canada Drive, man. I like that too, man. That's one of my go to caffeine free ones when I want to try to like get myself straightened out, you know? There's yeah, your I next don't... logo, by the way, the, the, the Canada Dry. <laughs> I'm going to keep pushing it until we get a cease and desist. I really thought someone asked you was going to be mad about, uh, auto holding a gun but uh we'll keep pushing it until someone's mad at us <laughs> that's the way to do it all right so yeah like i said we had we you and i talked about a year ago i got to know you for the first time honestly literally the first time i don't think you and i met before that so uh and then i ended up booking your band uh over the summer so aside from that i'm guessing a lot a lot of shit's been going on right i've been seeing you've been going to some shows i know you've been playing a lot of shows too right yeah, we've been trying to stay relatively busy. Uh, recently, we took off a little bit of time for writing. Uh, we just wrote a little five-song EP that we just recorded. Um, but I mean, over the summer and like everything passed when you had booked us on Rochester in, what, July? August, July? Whatever July. that was. Uh, yeah, we had a few weekenders. Uh, we went out and played some shows with uh, Heavy as the Head, which is the one that we did in Rochester. Uh, we went out with our buddies in opposition, concrete, gloves off for a few days. Uh, just like really little weekenders and shit. We really don't play super close to home too much. Uh, we played with Death of Fort Dishonor right in Syracuse. That was a lot of fun. That fucking ruled. And uh, yeah, I mean, stayed relatively busy. We all just like 
we all just work so goddamn much so we just try to sneak it in where we can you know um but next month is where we're gonna do our big like we we usually we like pto tour like we're not really in that age anymore we're like fucking quitting jobs to go on tour and shit so we just like tour around our jobs now but next month we got two weeks and like that'll be our sort of like big one for the year for sure um but yeah i mean just shit here and there little weekenders i've been going to a lot more shows than i've been playing like syracuse fucking rules man those kids like the syracuse hardcore kids like lucas and collins and all those guys dylan like they fucking bust their asses on shows dude it's so fucking cool like even if i can't make it to all of them with like work and everything i got going on it's like almost every single night there's a cool show going on in syracuse dude like i just went to uh was it the town shop and camilla's was a, a week or so ago and uh, it was all local bands i'm fairly sure it was uh flicker the droogs foul mouth and uh feast of love and it was just cool like syracuse is kind of coming up now being uh there's a lot of younger kids that i think over covid you know through the internet uh sort of found out about hardcore and punk and now they're just like they don't even give a shit who's playing they just want to come out and hang out and be cool and like everyone's friends and it's awesome so like even when we're not playing shows like Syracuse and around here all the time is just so fucking sick all the time for shows. Yeah, there's been a ton of good shows. I feel like Greg, you've been to you've been a couple to a couple more than I have in the last year, but uh, I've tried to make my appearances when I've been able to. Yeah, the um, the uh, New Year's Day show was awesome, um, and it yeah. really like, brought things full circle. And it was like kind of like a multi generational hardcore show where you've got you know like 19 year old kids getting into it for the first time, and then. You know, Carl Earth Crisis, uh, you know, of course, made a, a guest spot on the another victim set like that was everything like a, a show should be. And it's it's awesome to see that tradition being revived and kept alive by, you know, a younger generation. I, I guess uh, I don't remember the episode number, Josh, but if folks want kind of like a ground floor view of, uh, you know, what's going on, um, you know, with with the kind of new blood in Syracuse, we interviewed Lucas and he did a great job uh on that interview and has been doing a phenomenal job putting together shows and doing bands. Yeah. New Year's show was awesome. I can't believe I like forgot to even mention that. Yeah. Th like you said, it just felt like it was like a fucking high school reunion almost, you know, it was like all the old guys you haven't seen in forever and all the new guys you've never seen ever. And it was just cool. Like I was friends, all the bands were sick. Like it was a good mix of everything. That was awesome. I'm glad that uh, like Lucas is making all that shit happen again. All right, so if you're listening to this podcast on audio, you got to pause it and get over onto YouTube so you can watch Josh eat some fun dip. <laughs> I had it in my pocket earlier, too. We were Would getting ready like to put the kids to bed, and I was like, you know, I'm going to save this shit and see if these guys notice because I could put it on the YouTube. And I was hoping neither one of you guys would say anything so that way if people are watching, yeah, no, then they'll be like, what the here. fuck? YouTube hasn't been performing as well lately. So, we gotta get some. Yeah, more we're views trying on. to get some. We're trying to get some views on YouTube. So this we're is the some... boost you need is this fucking fun dip plug. This is how you get the Raid Shadow Legends uh, sponsorship is the fun dip. Oh shit, dude! Yo, shout out to Fun Dip. If anybody's listening, send me just the sticks, like literally a case of the shit, like <laughs> like fucking like two thousand of them, just the stick. Seriously, do I don't care do about not... the sugar. Yeah, well, you're, you're fucking going to town. You sure you don't care? I like the sugar. You're not going to throw it out, but I'm saying the <laughs> stick is like, in my opinion. It's the most nutritious aspect of the fun dip. You can't leave that. It's like, there's no the kind of the bread. 
I can't think of any kind of con candy combination like that either. With Pixie Sticks, you've got like literally just sugar, but with this, you got both, and then you can eat the thing afterwards. You know what I mean? So what even? What even? I don't think I've ever had fun dip in my life because I have like sensitive teeth, man. That shit lights my mouth on fire. What uh, is the stick? It's this white stick, and it's a bag of sugar, and you lick the stick. It even says right on there, "lick a stick." You won't be able to see it probably in the thing, but yeah. it's spelled weird. But it says "lick a stick," and this shit was really popular when we were kids. And I feel like it was gone for a while, but now it's back. And uh, obviously, you know, having kids, I'm sure Greg can relate a little bit. You get uh, sometimes you get your fill of candy, you know, and it was Hendrix's birthday this weekend, too. So we had some cake, too. So did you, you eat the stick though, or is the stick just like are you that's what I'm saying? That's you what I'm saying. And again, again, going stick? back to I know we're going to have Skylar from uh, Who Decides on probably the exact next episode. And he got his, you know, I think in wrestling, we're using kayfabe talk here, but he got his Heineken sponsorship or whatever. So I'm trying to get, if anybody from Fundip's listening, just the sticks. I'll take the sugar too, but if you guys have like thousands of these, just the sticks. So anyways, well, what's that, Brandon? No, I was going to say, when a of the fucking stick shows up at your house, you'll know this episode killed it. Oh my God, dude. Can you imagine? Um... So, no, you guys were talking about shows. I think we can keep talking about that for a minute before we get dump into the recording. Because um, I think you mentioned something, Brandon, and it's come up on, on pretty much every episode recently. Like, whether I interview somebody from Idaho, Syracuse, Boston, it's that, like, there really is a lot of new blood within hardcore now. Like I said, I haven't been to as many shows, but I even noticed it when Greg and I were at that Buried Alive show in Rochester last month, I, I was like, I don't recognize half these kids. Like, there's a lot of old people there for Buried Alive, obviously, but, like, everybody else who was, like, under, like, 35, I was like, I don't know who they are. And a lot of them, not a lot of them, but some of them seem a little bit younger. You, you notice that too, Greg? Or have you noticed it at other shows? Yeah, no, definitely. Especially, like, the Syracuse shows, but, um, you know, there have been a, a handful of Rochester shows where, uh, let's see, like, the one I went to was uh, that Giallo show with Coalition and, and Only Shallow. There were a lot of younger kids at that at um, uh, Rosen Crown and um, you know, it's a good, good time to see it out. I feel like, um, you know, Syracuse right now has kind of got the market cornered on like new bands. Buffalo has got a lot of up and coming bands too. And I feel like we're, we're, we're kind of rounding the bend and, and seeing a little bit more activity in Rochester, but I don't know. I'd like to see us like have some, you know, Syracuse level resurgence and interest. I suppose like a lot of these younger kids are probably like getting into hardcore cause they're finding out about turnstile. Um, you know, I've seen, uh, I've seen some folks, you know, on the internet saying that they like got into hardcore because of, um, you know, like hate five, six videos. That's like made it really accessible to people, but kind of kept the the spirit of the community and like the ethics of the community intact without kind of, you know, just being about listening to, to videos or listening to music. It's, it's, it seems like he's done a good job of, uh, you know, communicating that there's like, you know, there's a movement behind a lot of these bands and, you know, they're about politics or about it at the very least, like some sort of social responsibility. Yeah, I agree with Greg. I wanted to get things back in Rochester to how they were like on the same level playing field with Buffalo and Syracuse. I feel like every time I try to put a big show together, there's some weird like side issue that I wouldn't have anticipated before. And it's not like back in 2001, 2002, where I'm just like, I'm going to put these six bands on a show or whatever. Like, it seems like things are a little bit more tight knit with like the booking and stuff with some of the bigger bands now um but one thing i'm curious about too are either one of you guys on tiktok because i feel like that's that's been like a big thing where people are finding hardcore too because there's like people posting like 
like like random videos on there and stuff. You fuck with that at all, Brandon? So I am, but uh, I keep it my like deepest darkest secret that I am. I, I'm <laughs> I'm on TikTok, but I'm very shameful of the fact that I'm on TikTok. And no, I think that is one thing that like 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 Greg had mentioned, like it is very accessible now. Like hardcore and like punk music and just like alternative music in general is very accessible. And like you had mentioned, like Turnstile is always the example that everyone's gonna go to because they're at the fucking Grammys. And like a lot of people turn their nose up at that. And like, I get it, you know, but it's sick. And like, if that's, that's not a fucking bad gateway band, you know, especially you work backwards from that and you find some fucking great bands. Like they're what one degree separated from trapped under ice and like yeah. one degree separated from a lot of other cool bands. And like you're saying with the hate five, six thing, he does such a good job of just putting out so much diverse content where he'll post a lot of like old, like cool legacy bands. He'll post a lot of like newer bands you've never heard of. And a lot of times when those like older bands will get posted, there'll be all these old heads in the comments just be like, oh my God, like I remember this, like this happened. And even when he gets like old archive footage, there'll be all these old heads are like, oh, this is great, this is cool. And start talking about back in the day. And then these young kids see that. And I think there's a desire for these young kids when they see that to try to like, break into that and be like oh well you know what is this like what is this band i've never heard of like what's this like 1997 hate breed video where this guy gets hit with a fucking pool cue or whatever the fuck like like what is this you know and like sort of start digging in at that level so it's very accessible because a lot of times you can see that shit and you're not even looking for it because it's just so abundant when you're like in those social media circles or whatever and involved in like hardcore and you're just one degree separated all the time so these young kids I really think COVID is what did it. Everything shut down for a couple of years. Everything went digital. There was so much 856. There was so much with like 197 Media or whatever is another one. And there's like a bunch of people just posting these awesome show videos. A bunch of bands were cranking stuff out and putting it online because everyone had nothing but time. So yeah. then there's this big bubble that when there's shows again now, it's just like people are anxious to go and everyone's having fun and everyone's friends and there's all these new awesome bands and it's cool like I think and a lot of these younger kids like they want to go out and they actually want to have fun they don't even give a shit who's playing they just want to be involved in it because up until recently hardcore kind of looked like this esoteric thing which in a lot of ways it still is but like you said it's just become very accessible and it is a good thing like I've always seen that as a good thing yeah, I the, agree. The, the other dynamic that I think COVID had, I mean, definitely got people, they're sitting on their ass on their couch, you know, looking at these videos of people going off and it probably looks really appealing when you haven't like seen more than like three people in person, you know, in, in a given week. But I noticed like a lot of like older guys, like, you know, myself and uh, Josh, even like this podcast might not have even happened if COVID didn't come around. Um, a lot of older bands seemed like they were putting on like reunion shows or reunion tours and I think COVID got, you know, some of us folks, you know, in our 40s and stuff like nostalgic for, um, you know, the sense of community that existed um, that, you you know, you didn't have access to when everything was all digital. Um, the other thing I just wanted to mention about Hate 5-6 is like he really does his homework. He digitized a, a VHS tape of, I think it was like the Enkindles playing at a basement show in Rochester. There like must have been 25 people at that show when it like actually happened. And now like hundreds of people have seen the footage of that set at, at the very least online. Um, so it like definitely 
definitely exposes uh, uh, people to like a whole new, whole new type of music and a whole new way of doing things. Like I can't think of any other kind of music that if you, you know, you want to perform live, like hardcore and punk are so accessible. You don't, you don't even need to be good. You just have to have like enough people to like put on a show. But if you're like playing like jazz or, you know, electronic music or something like there's not, it's not really like a, a convenient way to do it with like no budget at all. Yeah, it is the, the absolutely like most DIY, like self-created, self-policed, self, like everything really genre that anyone could break into, you know, that's definitely true. Uh, I was at that and Kendall show and uh, shout out to Sonny. Uh, hopefully you find time to uh, digitize Jim's uh, terror video from when they played the first time I booked terror in Rochester uh, 20 years ago. seems like Jim's <laughs> kind of getting a little uh, impatient with that one. He's been, uh, seems to, he has sent it out to Sonny over a year ago and it hasn't been uh, digitized yet. So I don't know if Sonny isn't digitized as many old videos right now, or I don't know what the, maybe we'll have to get him on here and, 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 and uh, figure out what's going on with that. Was that the one where they played at the Park Lodge at the pre-Hellfest picnic? Yeah, that was an awesome it wasn't, show. It wasn't the pre-Hellfest, though, one. it was the year before. It was like Terror, Death Threat, Desperate Measures were supposed to play, but they didn't play. Okay. Building on Fire played. You know, you know what I'm talking about? It was at yeah. like, the Creekside Lodge or whatever. Yeah. 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 They, they played two, two, uh, two years in a row at Ellison Park. Um, yeah, I guess we can get into the recording. I was going to say, too, I don't, I don't think this episode is going to – I think this might come out after, but I know you guys are playing Rochester – uh, pretty soon too right brandon yeah so we got we got two shows coming up soon uh one is we're playing actually obviously it's gonna come out way after this we're playing this tuesday like in two fucking days in fulton with that band gates to hell and then in rochester i think it's the 24th yeah we're playing at the montage i think it's all i think it's all locals i'm fairly sure um yeah i mean we don't we don't really have like too much besides those and tour and Another Rochester show potentially in the beginning of May that I don't think is announced yet, but we'll talk about it after we're recording. And uh, yeah, I mean, we don't really have like too, too much show stuff because we took that time off for recording. But uh, yeah, the 24th, if this comes out before that at the montage, it'll be fun. Yeah, that one's got Coalition, which is like one of our newer bands that has like a lot of younger, you know, members uh, in that one. And then there's this like pop punk band playing there face first. Um, I don't know if you like fuck with pop punk, but it uh it sounds like like vintage like Scott Raynor era Blink One Eighty Two, but with like a Wilhelm scream vocals. Like the guy can actually sing pretty good too for that band. So that's cool. I, I'm always way way behind on newer bands. Like as much as I like to go to shows, like be involved, like meet people and know bands and shit. I've been listening to the same fucking records forever. You know, I'm so slow to catch up on new bands. Coalition's cool though. Uh, when I was a meth mouth, I've like known Jake for a long time and shit so like coalition's cool it'll be a fun show that's their singer yeah 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 i only met him the one time we because they ended up opening that show that we did with you guys oh yeah 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 you're uh, right. last summer that was that was my first uh first time meeting you and those guys well you in person um but uh what was i gonna say so yeah let's jump into the recording i guess uh uh I don't, when are you guys planning on dropping this whole thing? Because I'm guessing this episode will come out towards the end of March, or, or I guess we can hold it till we have to with the uh, recording dropping or whatever. Uh, I wish I knew. So uh, we tracked everything at the beginning of February uh, right here at Morristown in Syracuse. And the, the mixing and mastering process has, has been taken a little bit. Not everyone's fault. You know, life has kind of gotten in the way. It's just one of those things. 
Um, we actually just tonight, uh, like maybe 20 minutes before I jumped on, got our second like mixes back of everything. So hopefully by the end of the day tomorrow, we'll have it over to the mastering. And I would love to be one of those bands that has like a set day that you drop the fucking album on and you do everything right and you drop a single and then you do the, the whole shit. It's probably going to be one of those things where the second we get the masses back, we fucking panically throw them up on Spotify or whatever so that way they can be up before tour so we're not like these assholes going out on tour for two weeks off a record that's a year and a half old, you know? Uh, hopefully, I'm still aiming for early April for the whole record. Might leak a few singles and shit before then, but uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, hopefully, beginning of April because that tour starts the 14th. So as long as I can just, by the grace of fucking God, get these songs up and out before then, that's my only goal. And you said yeah. it's five. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Greg. No, uh, more sound. Is that Jacko Randall? Yeah, it is. We yeah. uh, we tracked with Casey, but yeah, it is that studio for sure. That's where we've uh, we've tracked everything we've ever put out through more sound. I fucking love that studio, man. And you said it's five songs uh, earlier in the conversation, Brandon? Yep, little five-song EP. Uh, nice and short. <laughs> Not a lot of thought went into it. Um, so what are, you guys, what are you guys there for, like a week or two recording or, or one song per day type thing? Or So we're actually able to bang it out in three days. We fucking flew through these, man. Because we, in the past year, have gone through so many, like, lineup changes. And because, like... The guy that I started the band with is my buddy, Ron, who I've known most of my life, because uh, this was a COVID thing, too. We had always talked about being in a band together, and I've known Ron since I was in, like, fucking middle school. I've never been in a band with him, and he's still, he's a fucking great guitar player. So I've always just nagged him and nagged him and nagged him to do a band. So then we finally did Bliss. And initially, Pure uh, Bliss was supposed to be, like, uh, kind of lyric driven, like Modern Life is War, blacklisted kind of band. Uh, and then we just thought it wouldn't be fun if no one was beating each other up. So we decided to sort of take a left turn and make it into what it is now. But he had unfortunately quit sometime last year. And uh, so uh, this kid, Damon, who had went on tour with us last year, became our full-time guy. And then we tried to find a second guitar player. And we had multiple people who had played one show with us and then flaked. And then we had fill-ins who... I never want to come on a podcast and like talk shit, you know, but we had uh, a little bit of fill-in drama here and there. And so it's just been so like, we sat on these songs for so long because half of them have been written for a fucking year. And we just were fumbling over ourselves so much that we weren't able to button up the rest of it. So when we actually got into the studio early last month, like two of these songs were a good eight months old. So we flew through them and like, three days we've had a drum day a string day and then i had my day and i probably took the longest because i fucking will overanalyze everything i do and just punch stuff in until i'm like bleeding out of the back of my mouth but uh no it was good the the processor is always awesome more sound rules so we banged it out pretty quick and you said you're just planning on dropping this uh digitally when you get the chance uh have you thought about shopping it around at all or anything i don't know what thing, i feel like i asked you that last time too. i don't know what things are like in this day and age of doing that kind of stuff so we have shopped it around a little bit uh i sort of 
I'm talking to a guy, but I definitely can't. I, it wouldn't feel right to like mention it at this point because I feel like I'd be kind of presumptive if I uh, like presumptuous if I did mention it. But hopefully there will be a little label backing on it. Uh, if not, then it's not. You know, like we've sort of dropped everything by ourselves at this point, and I don't even really know like this at this point in the game what difference it would really make. Because uh, everything's just so digital now. Like when I was in Methmouth, we were on Irish Voodoo Records, and he fucking helped out so much with like physical distribution, and he would help us out with some like merch. And, like he was fucking great. But now it's just, like everything's so digital. Like I can't even remember the last time I saw a CD at a show. So it's kind of hard to, even if we did come, like you know, talk to someone and come to an agreement on both sides, like what would even happen? I feel like to a degree you could say being on a label is like having a brand, but, but even in this day and age, like so many bands are on so many random labels now, like, like there's a few like triple B and and labels like that, obviously, but like, then there's like terror who's on like pure noise. You know what I mean? Like there's so many random like side labels now that I get what you're saying where it's like, it would be cool to have the backing, but it also to a degree doesn't seem like it really matters as much now. You know what I mean? Like as long as you're, you're pushing it yourselves the right way, I guess, you know, it feels like the bigger, the bigger place where you want to be is on like a, like a booking roster. As far as like, at least, at least as far as the way that I look at like being in a band and going on tour and like the things that I want to do with a band, I always prioritize having a good booking guy and being on a good roster more so than necessarily a label. A lot of times those can be one and the same, but like it, it, it's less about being on a label as much as the detriment of being locked out away from those bands that are on that label. Because like you said, it feels like there's just as many labels as there are bands. Like there, we like the the Bliss Instagram all the time will get follows from like such and such label, such and such record that the Instagram is fucking four hours old. It's almost as like like as many porn bosses there are, there's like almost as many like label Instagrams that will get followed and likes and shit from. And and you know, like we're nobodies too. So you know they're just out here just coming at everyone, which I think that's awesome, man. Like the DIY aspect of hardcore and like metal and like these like core genres. I think it's cool that people are starting up labels. I think that fucking rules. But I just think it's important to these younger kids when they start talking to, you know, labels and people who want to book them and do shit with their band that everyone understands if there's even a fucking point to it. And if there is a point to it, you don't get in over your head. Because a lot of like, a lot of older guys too will see that hardcore and core genres are a lot of younger kids now. And I think that there's a lot of people ready to take advantage of that fact. And like these bands that are young and they got the time to tour, you know, they got summer vacation. If they're in school, they got these whatever fucking jobs that they'll quit at the drop of a hat to go on tour. And then these guys can see that as something that they can exploit and make money off of. So it's, it's, I think it's good and bad, but uh, might be some label backing for the new EP might not. I know nothing about what the fuck's going to happen with this EP, so we'll see. <laughs> uh, speaking of booking, though, uh, you got a buddy here who's helping you with booking now, too, don't you? Or Yeah, my buddy Mike uh, sort of picked it up and became our booking guy. I met him when I was in Meth Mouth. Uh, he lives down in Florida. He had just reached out to me, man. Or maybe I reached out to him. I don't even remember. But uh, he had just started, like, getting into booking and got hired on by this booking company. And it, you know, fit, like, at this stage of the game, it just kind of worked out. Like he approached us about these couple weeks in April. I, you know, my, being in a band for me, my biggest aspiration to be in a band is just to fucking go on vacation. 
you know, like the music's cool, show's cool. Like I love being like a part of hardcore and like contributing to hardcore and like sort of being in like everything attached to that. But goddamn, if going on vacation with your friends isn't pretty sick, you know? So I am like always looking for that. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I believe it's, I can't remember the name of his booking company. I'm going to be a real piece of shit. But uh, yeah, he's been helping us out. He booked this uh, Restless Mind booking. I almost said the wrong company too. And uh, yeah, he helped us out the April day. We got some other small shit. We might be going up to Canada with a buddy, a buddy's band in the end of July is helping us out with. So just like, you know, little ones trying to keep us busy. That's, 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 I mean, like you said, a vacation band. So it makes sense just to do like the runs like that and stuff. And we're lucky. I mean, if you think about it too, like where we live geographically too, to have like so many, whether it's, you know, small towns or big cities within just a few hours, north, south, east, like all directions pretty much. You know what I mean? So. Oh yeah. And it's nice too, like when you're putting together a tour, like Mass Mouth had one tour where we had four days that were all in Texas back to back. And you look like an asshole posting that on the internet because everyone's like, well, what the fuck is that? They were the longest drives of the tour <laughs> between the four days in Texas. So it is nice. Yeah, living up here, you can get between a lot of cities and a lot of different scenes super easily and a lot of really good scenes too. Yeah, I remember we just interviewed Chip Walbert who has been in a bunch of bands like Where Fear and Weapons Meet, Destro. Um, and we were talking about like, he's from South Florida. We were talking about the South Florida scene back in like the late 90s. And um, they like he was indicating that like bands felt kind of isolated and there weren't really a lot of opportunities for exposure until like culture from <clears throat> Shai Halud kind of broke through. But I remember when Shai Halud um, relocated from like South Florida to Poughkeepsie and people were like, what the fuck's in Poughkeepsie? And it's like, well, Poughkeepsie's like five hours drive from like New York, Boston, Syracuse, Albany, Buffalo, like you could hit up a lot of big scenes just being in this region of the country in, in a way that you can't when you're like in Texas or you're even really California. I mean, I guess the trade-off in like California is there's like, you know, like what, like fucking like a hundred thousand hardcore kids just in Los Angeles alone at this yeah. point. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Especially Florida, man, you start getting down towards South Florida and you're forced to backtrack. Like even on this tour in April, we're not going like all the way to Miami or anything. We're playing like Brandon and like Tampa area, central Florida. And that hook, dude, is it, so hard. Like, I can't even imagine being stuck there and like your tour having to start from there every single time because there's only one direction you can fucking go. So there's just so many, you just have to end up playing the same places over and over again, which luckily now it seems like South Florida has such a good scene that you can get away with that and it's okay. But like, if they had a weaker scene, you might have to start with like a fucking 12 hour drive just to actually get on the road. Yeah. Everything West of Florida is basically a 12 hour drive. It's crazy. I think about like, we're really, we're really lucky to have, you know, I know, I know people out, outside of this area consider like Rochester and Buffalo and, and Buffalo and Syracuse to a certain extent too, to be smaller towns, but I consider them to be cities, you know? <laughs> so I grew up in Auburn, man. Syracuse is still the big city to me. Yeah, definitely um i guess what else uh anything else coming up or anything uh really just i mean towards the big thing uh two weeks down the east coast of the span regions from uh south carolina north carolina same thing uh little uh, it, it'll be a little weird going out they're more of like a deathcore band uh which might be you know i'm sure they're cool guys but we'll see how it is with the crowds and shit 
I historically, you know, I've played some shows like with a deathcore lineup, and there can be a bit of confusion at times. <laughs> so I no, I mean, I'm excited. That's the big thing we've got going on. Uh, now the writing is done and like everything's good and like we the record is just being fucking worked on and we've got everything good to go whenever we get it. Uh, that'll be the big thing. We're already starting to try to write again, uh, just to like keep ourselves busy and not stagnate too much. But um, working on some smaller things for the end of summer. Uh, but besides that, man, just uh, just kind of cruising at this point. It seems like. Like I always say on these podcasts, I've never played in a band or anything, so I don't have the experience, but I'm just kind of guessing. It seems like you would probably do better with merch on like a deathcore tour than you would on like a regular hardcore tour. That is so fucking true, dude. So deathcore kids, they don't give a shit, dude. So we played, not that this is necessarily deathcore, but back in November, we played a show in Albany with uh, our buddies in Downswing, uh, Invoke Thy Wrath, uh, Oakheart. God, I'm such a fucking asshole. I know I'm forgetting some. But it was like, Downswing is like ostensibly a hardcore band, but they sort of like appeal closer to like the stick to your gun sort of like crowd. I don't even know what I would necessarily call that because like metalcore is such a big term these days where it's like could be disembodied, could be, you know, stick to your gun. And those kids, they don't give a shit. Like they don't give a fuck. Like if you go out there and you play a cool set and you have cool energy and like they will spend hundreds of fucking dollars we made like over a grand in just like merch at that show and we were the nobodies we were the only band on that not from albany and i know that i'm comparing that too to like my past experiences of selling shirts that say mess on them always is a bit of like a fucking deficit but uh it's like at those kinds of shows kids go absolutely apeshit for merch and even like announcing that regions tour and then doing these like pre-order auto with a gun sweaters or whatever to like help us pay for recording. I think that little bit of crossover of like deathcore kids seeing like merch with a gun on it, like those did really fucking well. And it's just, yeah, merch is definitely way, way easier on those kinds of tours. And like I said, those kids don't give a shit, dude. Like they'll, they'll go nuts. They don't really care. Like they'll mosh to anything. Those kids mosh to feedback. Like they truly don't give a shit. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Might be a little different, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. Do you ever like so? And this might be kind of weird, I guess, but like it seems like if you were going to go on like a regular hardcore, like traditional hardcore style tour versus like a deathcore tour, it seems like you might make like even the merch catering different to the crowds or whatever, right? Or, or is that is that getting a little too overthinking it? I guess. No, I mean there's, there's definitely we <laughs> we do a lot based on who we're playing to for sure. Uh, definitely, I think that like more like punk hardcore, traditional hardcore crowds, like you got to make really simple merch, you know, you make the varsity designs, you do the cabal rip, you do like, which like a lot of Syracuse fans do that shit, like Deal with God did that, like a similar thing and it fucking rules and like everyone has those shirts because they should and like you just do the very simple like letter area code and like that's cool, man, I love that shit and like I'll wear that shit all day long but uh, I, I think when you get closer to metalcore bands deathcore bands sort of like everyone's ripping off slayer type bands uh you get to get away with a little bit more like our merch spread for this tour we haven't really posted too much of it we've got like one with like a big fucking executioner on it with like a bloody axe and stuff and like you get to do a little bit when you play with bands that have spiky logos you get to have like a little bit more fun with your merch 
like uh, my good buddy that I grew up with is now in a band called No Cure. And they're a sort of like deathcore, straight edge uh, band. And they get to make just the fucking coolest merch designs because they play to like a little bit of everyone and they get away with it. And also, I mean, straight edge band merch just always does better, you know, because everyone wants to wear fucking straight edge band merch if you haven't sold out yet. And it's just so cool getting to see like the cool shit that they get to get away with is awesome. I don't think I'd ever want to, I don't think I'd ever want to go back to like 2008 having fucking giant letters on everything. I would never go that far. (laughs) As someone who semi-professionally sold shirts that said meth on them, I don't think I'd want to like do that over again. But uh, just being like a little more silly is a bit fun. Um. Oh, man, I forget what I was going to ask you, but do you, yeah, I remember that era though, the late 2000s where all the bands had like the writing and the big letters, like I had a Reign Supreme shirt that was like that, that was really silly. And it's crazy to think about all the different eras of like hardcore merch while we're talking about this now, you know what I mean? Like, but there definitely has been like different ones. So yeah, I, miss, I, oh, what's I, miss, I, miss, I miss the era where like, you'd have like a massive logo on the front that had like five silk screen colors on it. And it would like, stick to your body when it would get slightly hot out because the shirt was like 80% ink and like it wasn't even like flexible at all there was uh the life ruiner hoodie the giant gold foil life ruiner hoodie that like everyone had at one point at least everyone in fucking auburn had it at one point yeah that shit uh there is definitely a tinge of nostalgia for that that i don't think i'd ever want to go back to but it is fun to look back and see that like i'm so i'm 29 i'll be 30 in two weeks i'm already having a crisis over it but uh, I, back in the day, had that year spent cold shirt, then giant letters on the back said, how does it taste, you dick-eating dirtbag? And I thought I was the coldest motherfucker alive. <laughs> and like now, I, I guess there's like still people that want to wear that kind of shit. But it's like, dude, I hate attention in public, you know? Like as much as like someone with like my head tattooed and shit, like I hate fucking people looking at me. And then, like, doing stuff like that would just make my skin crawl. So I just, like, good luck to everyone who does that shit. But I, I can never go back to that era of merch. Well, since uh, since you're turning 30, happy birthday. Um, I had Thank the you, hardest man. time turning 30. Like, I had a harder time turning 30 than I did. I just turned 40, like, a couple weeks ago. I had a harder time with 30 than I did with 40. And I feel like it's because, like, when you're 20, in your 20s, you're, like, still young. You know, yeah. but like then once you get to 30, it's like, well, fuck, I'm old now. And then it's just like old forever. So yeah. what the fuck matters <laughs> when you're like 40 or 50. So one of my one of my closest friends is he's 40. And uh he said the exact same thing. He's like, dude, you're gonna stress it coming up to it. And he's like, and then when it happens, you'll be cool. Like it'll, you know, you'll get through it. Um yeah, I you know, I, I think I've already gone through the stages of grief and I'm just ready to hit it head on. My birthday is actually the day after the Earth Crisis show in Syracuse. So I am willing to enjoy my youth for one last day and then just fucking wake up feeling like a, feeling like a pile of shit on the second. So uh, You'll I'm have arthritis. If you don't have yeah. it now, you'll have it. You'll have it, uh, what is it, <laughs> April 2nd. You'll realize yeah. you have arthritis. <laughs> I, I, just, I just started getting like... I, I got to go to the doctor about this, but I just started getting arthritis in my hands to the point where like, I can't make a fucking fist when I wake up in the morning. And um, like, here's the thing, like 
I still get acne sometimes. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? I didn't think I was going to have arthritis and acne at the same time. I thought like one would end and then I would be like an adult <laughs> for a while and then I'd be old and the other would begin. I was just having the exact same conversation with my girlfriend. I, I still get acne all the time. I'm like, dude, if you would have told me when I was 14 years old, I'd be 29 with acne, I would have blown my brains out. Like, I, I just like, my knees fucking hurt. I like, I, the gym is not as productive as it used to be. And I still have acne, dude. And I got to fucking work full time. Like, it's just like all the negatives. So I don't know. I've, I've accepted it. I'm cool with it. I, uh, I just don't want to fucking think about it. Guess I'm just really blessed with these Colombian genes. I haven't had a lot of the <laughs> issues that you guys have. So, um, you know, um, oh, you know, I was going to ask you, you were talking about this before. You mentioned that band No Cure. Aren't they from Alabama? Something like that, man. The whole Midwest blurs to me. But uh, you grew up with one of those dudes? So Jake, who plays bass in that band, grew up in Port Byron, which obviously oh, you okay. guys know yeah, what that yeah. is. It's like, so it's Auburn. It was like Weedsport, Port Byron, Jordan Elbridge. Uh, yeah, I just like knew him my whole life. And he moved to Tennessee, I don't know, some odd years ago. And uh, yeah, I'm just like known forever. I'm still in a group chat with him. We send, fucking send memes to each other every day. Seeing that band blow up is so sick too, because like, I'll say it on the podcast. I don't give a shit. Jake has been in some of the worst bands I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. And now, now he's in like a really good one and he fucking deserves it. Because he's a good kid, and he has been shoveling shit for a long time, and now he gets to, like, go on tour with My Children, My Bride, and see who the fuck that brings out. But, uh, yeah, no, that, yeah, that band fucking rules. Yeah, I just want to make sure that was the band you were talking about, because I always see them, like, you're staying on big tours, and I feel like they're playing Furnace this year, and they've, they've yeah, done some big shit. Yeah, I about that. Yeah. yeah. One of the so. better Firestorm covers of recent years. From No Cure. <laughs> oh, they did. They did that. Yeah, they recorded it. It's on one of their one of their EPs. I don't know. I'll have to check that out. I, as I was saying to Greg, and sorry for anybody from Syracuse who's listening to this, uh, I, I, res I respect what Earth Crisis has done over the years, but there's musically, I've just never been a huge fan of theirs. Like I like a couple of their songs and a couple of their records, but I was always always more of like a traditional, like you know. Uh, floor punch buried alive type shit you know what i mean like earth crisis is a little bit too much too much of the you know too the crunchy too much crunchiness yeah too much of the riffs and i don't know i like as i've gotten older i've liked them more but as a teenager i was like not as into a lot of that stuff and pretty much no metal stuff as a teenager and as i got older i, I appreciated it more and more but you know so you're gonna wait for the episode that i'm on where everyone wants to fucking kill you you're gonna have me and me be the one that goes down with the ship. Well, this is gonna air right around the time that show happens too. And Greg told me the other day we're interviewing Carl too. So hopefully you don't listen to this one, Carl. I'm gonna play it off. I'm gonna play it off when I interview you like I've been a fan my whole entire life too. So you're just being um, a fool right now. It's all part of the bit. I, that's a spoiler alert too for anybody listening to. We're not. That's not official or anything. Greg just mentioned that to me the other day. But yeah, we're working. We're working it out. That'll be pretty. I, pretty cool if we get to interview him because like I, unlike josh um <laughs> i i welcome our earth crisis overlords um no but unlike josh i like that was a huge a hugely influential band for me in my life um and you know probably the main one of the main reasons i'm vegan and have been vegan for as long as i have has been you know what i kind of came to learn through their lyrics about you know the way the world works um and it's tough to understate what their influence on like hardcore especially in this region, but just in general across the, the world is, um, 
Um, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, that's like something that I think as I get older, I have more and more appreciation for. Um, but, uh, uh, I mean, I lost the point I was going to make uh, <laughs> when we got into this. But yeah, if, if that comes to pass, it'll be a great interview. Um, there's really only a couple people I'd be more excited to interview, maybe like Ian McKay or Henry Rollins, um, you know, and as far as like, you know, and like the straight edge pantheon of like important figures in the community, you've got obviously like Ian McKay, but you've got like maybe Ray Capo and I would put Carl Beekner from Earth Crisis kind of in that same category, too. Yo, but shout out to Path of Resistance. That first LP, uh, Who Dares Wins, is hard as fuck. I like that shit. And I'm, I'm not saying, like I said, there's a couple of Earth Crisis songs that I like. But I'm going to play it off. Like, I, I I saw them in Syracuse, like, tons of times. I pulled the gun out of the dude's hand at the first Syracuse Fest. You know what I mean? Like, all this shit that I'm going to be saying when we interview him, that he's going to be like, who the fuck? Like, where the fuck? You know what I mean? So, no, Greg, maybe you'll do that one solo. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, well, man, I- <laughs> You gotta be careful, um, man. You were at you were at like Hellfest '99. Was it Hellfest '99 when like? Oh, oh from Greg, care, yeah. Yeah, speaking like, of being careful, let's be careful. You know, <laughs> I was gonna say, you know, the, the Hellfest '99 when they had it catered with vegan food. Yeah, exactly. I was at the first day, but unfortunately, I got sick and went home for the second day. So, but if when we interview Carl, I definitely was there for both days. So, um, <laughs> um, no, I think that that's pretty much what I got for subjects and I'm sure we can keep busting balls about random uh, bands that, that people don't realize I don't like, like uh, unbroken chokehold. Um, let's see. Who else? Sorry. Sorry. I should have told you this beforehand. I, I wasn't, this is stuff that wasn't in the notes too, but this is the just, episode where we ruined the podcast. Yo, yeah. you told me, what'd you say? And when you messaged me earlier too, Brandon, you're like, Oh, I'm great off the cuff. Apparently I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just fucking sink it. When, anytime you have yeah. a script, you just fucking tank it. <laughs> I've had an outline for every episode too. And this one, I told you, we're just going with a brief outline. And if I'm being honest too, for everybody who's still listening to this, that hasn't uh, given up on our podcast by now. Um, there's a couple other episodes where I, I didn't write the outline out at all. And let's just say we ended up, this is before Greg joined the podcast too. There was two people uh, one of those people, I never did the interview again and not, and definitely didn't save anything for that interview that we recorded. And the second person, we re-recorded the interview because I was like, man, that was really like, you know, like with you, I'm not saying there's any, this conversation's fine. Like, I think we're just busting balls at this point. Like we covered everything we needed to cover tonight, you know, but those ones without, without the outline, it was like, I was asking questions in the beginning, like, you know, how I like to go on a timeline when I ask people stuff or whatever, like in that one, I was like, asking stuff about right now and then 20 years ago and then like it was just like well man i gotta make some notes next time <laughs> you know if you don't so. make notes bring fun dip because that's what this is what holds it together <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, like, that's the pivot that you can always segue into is the fun dip. Do, a, do a dunkaroo next time man and he started a utility food you know you i never this podcast working i've never googled is fun dip vegan so this really might be the cancel episode too now that i think about it Holy um, shit, I'm looking at it now. It seems safe. I think Red 40. I think Red 40 was one of those questionable ones back in the day. But no, back in the day, it was it was Red 40 Lake. There was like Red 40, <laughs> and then there was Red 40 Lake. I don't it's know. It's not Red 40 Lake. No, it's not. That's a. Oh shit! All right, we're gonna talk about this off air. Not to come on the show. Yeah, Greg. Is there anything else that you wanted to ask, or any other bands that either one of you guys want to know about that I don't like that people probably. Uh, our beloved 
<laughs> no, I think this is probably the most fun episode we've done, though. You had a lot of laughs in this one. Yeah, this is good. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I, I wish I had more of a structured plan on what's going to happen with the record, but uh, fucking everyone just checked the Pure Blood Spotify page every single day, not only to help me pay my mortgage, but also so you can be updated at the same fucking time I am on when this record comes out. We'll share it for you too, obviously. Uh, well, I guess if Greg doesn't have anything else, uh, otherwise, uh, you got any other shout outs or plugs you want to give, uh, Brandon? Uh, so Monster makes a zero sugar <laughs> classic flavor now. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, so this is my, my work desk at home. And it's literally the best thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, I, I think that it's a lot cheaper than therapy. If anyone out there is thinking about therapy, just crack open a nice ice cold zero sugar monster. It'll make you feel like you're 16 years old again. Uh, Canada Dry zero sugar as well. That's also a big one. Um, performance enhancing drugs. Let's make a nice shout out to Peds. And uh, besides, besides, no, I mean like fucking the Syracuse hardcore guys, the fucking six or seven hardcore guys, they're booking shows, like everything in Buffalo, Rochester. Like everything's fucking cool right now, man. I feel like the second I get the shout-outs, I could go for a fucking year. Uh, Shout-out to Satisfaction, Disaster, of Desire. Uh, that's a pretty cool record. And, yeah, everything's just very cool right now. The Hardcore Archive podcast is Josh Lyons and Greg Benoit with creative support from Rob Antonucci. This podcast is a product of the Rochester Hardcore community. Theme song provided by Standfast. Visit Hardcore Archive podcast on Linktree to listen to past episodes. Follow Hardcore Archive Podcast and Enterprise Hardcore Podcast on Instagram for updates. If you have an idea for an episode or would like to have your band's music featured during the closing credits, please contact us at hardcorearchivepodcast at gmail.com. So